Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers. And Bradley, you are uh, once again coming to us from the road. I want to acknowledge that right off right off the bat. <laughs> If you're hearing an echo to Bradley's side of things today, he is brave, resilient soul that he is once again coming to us from a hotel room. Live, local, late breaking. Uh, yes, today I am coming to you live from Athens, Georgia um, in a hotel room uh, while I'm working on set this weekend. Um, but hey, we make do, like we said. We make do. <laughs> I do not have, I'm so happy because this is the week I was going to have the worst sound. And then Bradley just didn't tell me he was going anywhere. He just like patches in and I'm like, that's not your your bedroom where you generally record. I don't see lines of expensive, worthless Funko Pops. Uh, you know, you're right. I don't see any behind me. So unfortunately. <laughs> just a very lovely painting. I do also want to say uh, I do have my gay drink, which is a kiwi uh, starfruit refresher. And we got so wrapped up in talking about Loki in the pre-meeting that I haven't actually taken a sip of it. So I'm going to sip it now live on the air and we're going to see what I think of it. Oh, I thought you were going to... I thought you were going to say that the reason why you didn't get to taste it was because it was a Loki themed drink because it's green. So you were you were so distracted by our talk that it's real. It's good. It's what is really, it? It's really good. It is it a is? kiwi starfruit refresher, and it's got bits oh. of kiwis. Oh, that is kind of a Loki. It's a Loki themed drink. There you go. It's well, it's a variant of a Loki for sure. It is a variant. Yes, I'm drinking a Loki variant, just like I <laughs> Tom Hiddleston. I wish I had all the time in the world because then I do a fucking Loki podcast. I do a fucking right. Vision podcast, like. We were. Then, uh, we could grieve all of our grievances about like Falcon Winter Soldier. We could talk about. We could talk about how much we like WandaVision. We could talk about how much we like Loki, and like it would just be. But we would only do the TV shows because it would just be exactly. That's our thing. Yeah, that's our thing. Well, actually, I remember we were talking. We were kind of half joking this week about Marvel. Uh, Marvel spinoff podcast when, but we mainly talk about it in the pre meeting. Although I do want to say. This episode of Loki, and I'm not going to say anything about it, this episode of Loki actually contains two Star Wars alums in it. So I only knew one, but you can enlighten me on the second one because I don't know who the second one is. So in order of appearance, okay, uh, we have Kaylee Fleming, who plays uh, a younger version of a character on the show briefly in the first few minutes. Kaylee Fleming, uh, basically it appears having made a career of playing younger versions of people in popular Disney franchises because she also played young Ray in the sequel trilogy. So it's yes. the same actress. I was, and, I was actually surprised when I saw that on the, um, the credits. I was like, oh, okay, yay. <laughs> She's almost got the Disney trifecta. <laughs> And the second one, who's a little difficult to recognize, and again, yes. I'm not going to say the context because it's a massive spoiler. Oh, okay. But our friend Allegiant General Pride from Rise of Skywalker, uh, Richard E. Grant, 
Oh, that's who that was. Yes. Richard E. Grant is in uh, one of the shots of the episode and he played Allegiant General Pride. So awesome. Okay. Cause I, I know like everybody was making such a big deal about it on the, on what I call the forums. Um, now they're not actually forums anymore, but you know what I mean? Like the I online the forum days. Um, yeah. People were like talking about this guy and I was like, who is this random ass guy that everybody's talking about? I mean, we knew he was in, in Star Wars, but it's, it's Allegiant General Pride from Rise of Skywalker. I know that we don't think about Rise of Skywalker very much. Oh, ne- oh I, ne- I never think about how that should have been two movies instead of one. But yeah, of course. Yeah, keep going. Or a, a 10 episode TV show where maybe they could take some time to actually explain some things or give some people that were cut out of the movie some screen time that they deserve. But whatever, this is not a Rise of Skywalker complaint episode (laughs) it was just neat that's my vague uh reason to bring up loki on the show and say to go watch it it's very good also very gay the other thing that i wanted to bring up before we dive into the episode here uh this is the last shout out that i'm going to do for the pride month because i want to take some time to actually listen to multiple episodes of some of these shows that i've been plugging Mm -hmm. um I have been very busy this week, so I was just like last week, I wasn't able to listen to a lot of this week's shout out, but I did check out Rupalp's Pod Race, as I mentioned, the very prolific Twitter presence, which apparently is because all of their mods go on and use the Twitter. So they post a lot of stuff on there, a lot of stuff about the Chiss Ascendancy and Thrawn. Gotcha. So I went and listened to their show. Uh, it's very good. It very much has the vibe of like a group chat. So it reminds me of one of these like yep. Discord servers that I'm in where people will come in and talk about the episode because they have, I think, four or five hosts. I thought it was four and then they mentioned five on the episode that I listened to, but it's a substantial number. So it almost, it flows like a conversation. So it's, gotcha. it's good. Uh, Highly recommend it. Go check it out. I'm definitely going to be catching up. They're also, they've only got like nine episodes so far. So it's going to be super easy to catch up on them. Gotcha. Yeah. So also follow I, their Twitter because it's amazing. I was going to say, speaking of Twitter, um, I just want to apologize to all these different Star Wars podcasts um, that you keep bringing up and that are now following me on Twitter. I never use Twitter. I just want to say that right now. I don't use it for anything but porn. So I want <laughs> Funko Pops. people, I want Funko these, Pops. yeah, you but that's constantly retweeting those Funko Pop things. Well, yeah, that's on my real account, but on my, I only use my secondary account that I don't follow any of these Star Wars podcasts on to like look at porn and shit. So <laughs> I apologize to all these people that like, if I don't respond to something right away, or if I don't like follow you back or anything like that, like right away, because I never go on that account. Because that's my real, like, safe for work account. So in case any employers try to, like, look me up, like, they're like, oh, yeah, that's my we, good one. We very specifically it. only put our safe for work accounts on, uh, right, exactly. on the podcast page. So, because we like to pretend that we're professionals. Though I will say, I have linked our podcast on my porn one just because i'm trying to get it out there in any way possible (laughs) so there are amazing i'm sure there's people out there who are like 
I found this podcast because I follow this porn account. And that's where I... Mine is, uh, mine is actually linked on my Tinder profile. Oh, it is not I never thought to do that. It's on my Grindr profile, but I have linked it on my Tinder profile. Or I put do the that. name or something. I'd have to go check and see exactly what I did. But I'm I didn't mention that. it on my Twitter profile, uh, but not on my Grinder profile because I don't want random men from Grindr uh, finding my Star Wars podcast. Well, I mean, they find my Instagram, so they're going to find my podcast. So what's the difference? So, I mean, I might as well just throw it exactly. on. Exactly. So that's our, that concludes my sort of Pride Month um, rundown. I will post a thread on Twitter when this episode comes out, um, or maybe a day or two after this episode comes out, going ahead and relinking to all the ones that I listened to and mentioned. Definitely go check them out. All of them are awesome. You can also follow our Twitter page. I try to retweet when new episodes of shows come out. So that's a good way to, if you like us and you want more Star Wars content, all of these podcasts are in the same vein as us, but are different, you know, different to the point that it's going to give you a different experience. So all of them are awesome. Every single one I mentioned, go check them out. Happy Pride Month. Yay. So this week on The Bad Batch, the episode is called Common Ground. Bradley, what did you think of this episode? So I'm going to start with the fact that um, the summary for the episode or whatever it was, or uh, the synopsis or literally was just a simple, um, the Bad Batch has their ideology challenged. And I was like, leave it to a person who doesn't use Twitter to not know how to pronounce the word ideology. Whatever. And I thought about it and I was like, did they? Did that they was really? That was part of my concern that like dropped the episode down for me. The action put it back higher on the ranking, but it's not as high as it could have been because they they had this setup right. of the batch is going to help a separatist. And then- But it was like a throwaway. Like it literally was a yeah, throwaway it, line. I mean- Well, there's little things through the episode, but there's never a particular moment where they have to turn it around. Like it's somewhere in the ATTE battle yeah. that they go from, we don't trust you to we're going to turn into an alleyway because you say to trust you. It just, I, I didn't get the, like the distrust other than the fact that like, oh yeah, this guy is a separatist leader or whatever. They, they hinted at stuff. Don't get me wrong. So we'll like, get into that. We'll yeah, get into but, that. And it has to do with the episode of the Clone Wars that this is basically a sequel to. Oh, uh, okay. See, I didn't catch that. And I felt like this episode was a huge, huge fail for me. Like just- Huge fail. Yeah, this is a huge, I, I can't, I, there's nothing, I can't say anything good about this episode, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, because there was no Omega in it from the whole thing. She's, you know, the emotional center of the episode. And so this episode has no emotional center the whole entire time, except for the fucking droid, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels like to an extent, and like I said, it, it was brought down by the writing being not quite as good as what we would expect from episodes of this show. Yeah. The action kind of brought it back up a little bit for me. Like I genuinely enjoyed watching it, especially on my second viewing where I was like, oh, there's, they're randomly going to decide to trust him yeah. at some point. My only other thing um, as a whole 
was that I was obviously wrong last week. I said that, you know, because the last two episodes were so like plot driven, like such like a quick, like, oh, here's the plot. Here's the plot. We're moving this story forward finally, you know? And now we've kind of been like, we essentially stepped in gum in this episode and we've kind of like reverted back to the one, whole, like, two steps forward, one step back kind of ideology. Like now we're on the thing where the Bad Batch goes somewhere, does something and comes back. Like I, you know. One thing happened this episode that seemed to affect the overarching story and it happened off screen. And I Other don't like than that. <laughs> Show don't tell. We open on a shot of like a pavilion where a crowd is gathered and an Imperial officer is going to dress them. Uh, it's very like space fantasy, like giving a speech from a balcony down to a crowd of onlookers mm -hmm. from like a castle thing. It's kind of this very space fantasy vibe that I dug. We'll get to what planet we are in a minute because I was wrong about this planet. And credit where credit is due, one person on Twitter, on my Twitter timeline, actually did get it right. Oh. But as of the second, I took to Twitter to to shout that person out and be like, "We just gotta get uh, we just gotta get this person on to do our predictions because he knows his planets way better than we do." Oh wow! Uh, so shout out uh, Liam likes SW on Twitter for being the only person on my Twitter timeline to successfully say what ahead of time back in the trailer what planet we're going to actually go to. Oh, nice. So we have an Imperial officer and I made a cool discovery, but I want to explain the rabbit hole that I went down because when <laughs> I watched the episode, my first thought when I saw the Imperial officer was, I wonder if that's Indira Varma's character from Kenobi. And then I went, no, that's going to be a problem because this officer is very white. Too old. And Indira Varma is very not white. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, is the Bad Batch whitewashing another character before she even has a chance to show up in Kenobi? Gotcha. So I went to make sure. Not Fortunately, her. it's not the same character. It's not the same character. Uh, the key for me was that she was voiced by somebody different. And I went, oh. Yeah. oh, okay. It just, if you kind of squint, she kind of looks like maybe Indira Varma, sort of which but in the discovery of researching just to make 100 percent sure because i didn't think they were the same character but bad batch has had some issues with whitewashing characters from other media i went and checked uh captain bragg is actually voiced by a woman named shelby young okay but what i found interesting was that senator singh who is the main senator from this episode is actually voiced by Alexander Siddig. And Alexander Siddig is well known to me as playing the Prince of Dorne in the uh, final two seasons, seasons five and six of Game of Thrones. Oh, so there's that connection to her, which is another star. I love how there's all these like different, like Game of Thrones has these weird little connections into Star Wars with, you know, like Captain Phasma and everything. So it's like a, all these different Armando and all that. So it's like, everybody's just knows everybody now. Well, it's also kind of like a, uh, 
a thing where Game of Thrones is so sprawling and Star Wars is so sprawling. It's like how like every British actor ever has been in Doctor Who. Right. Like, every single one of them has been on Doctor Who at least once because Doctor Who is just so big and sprawling and they mm. just cast everybody who's... Everybody once in a while, yeah. But I am looking at Alexander Siddig's page, looking to see where he... He was on Star Trek. Yep, mm-hmm. Star Trek Deep Space Nine and The Next Generation. Nice. Apparently. Now he's uh, on the droid, for completionist sake, is voiced by uh, C.N. Clifford. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find anything she's really been in. Uh, that, something called Fleabag, which I've never seen. So uh, I don't know what a Fleabag is. I've certainly never heard of an Andrew Scott before in my life. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't watch that show, but apparently it's good. So For completionist sake, I wanted to bring up all three of them, but it was neat that I discovered, oh yeah, Alexander Siddig is the voice of Senator Singh, and he was also Doran Martell on Game of Thrones. Speaking of uh, the protocol droid, um, this episode, yet again, reminded me why I didn't like it is because I don't like the protocol droids in Clone Wars or in this. Like, I never liked them because of how they move in the cartoons versus how they move in the live action stuff. They move too fast in the cartoons. They walk too fast. They have too much movement, range of motion. I don't like it. It's too unrealistic because, you know... Fully prepared for GS8 to go sliding down the the zip line at one point. Right? Oh, yes. This is a thing that protocol droids can totally do now. Yeah, and I I just hate that because I think that's what a lot of people didn't like, you know, obviously Attack of the Clones and the... um, the droid factory scene because of that reason you see c3po move too much right it's just a little too unrealistic i felt the same thing this whole entire episode when they were running through the halls with her i was like stop moving you you can only walk two inches a second you can't do that you can't run you're a protocol droid when you (laughs) i think the issue is when you you get unconstrained by the human limitations of the suit yeah it is tempting for expediency's sake, to go ahead and just have them zooming along. I do want to shout out the face and hand animations on Senator Singh when he's, uh, like, rubbing his hands together and and thinking. It's very expressive. Hmm. I love it. Uh, GS8 mentioned several other senators had been arrested. Now, here's where I get to talk about the episode that this is kind of a sequel to. Okay. None of these people are from the Clone Wars. So I checked every single named character that isn't the Bad Batch. Yes. We finally have another episode, like episode three, where we do not have a person from the Clone Wars come popping up. But we do have a planet, and they mention what planet it is. The planet is called Raxus. It's technically Raxus Secundus? Secundus? It's, but it's, it's referred to as Raxus in the episode. Raxus is the capital planet of the Confederacy of Independent Systems. So the Confederacy of Independent Systems, actually, when they broke away from the Republic, had their own Senate with different rules. Oh, okay. So he is not a Republic senator. He is a separatist senator. So, mm -hmm. So originally, when they have the line, the other senators have been arrested... I thought it was, oh, it's other senators who didn't vote for the formation of the empire. 
then I realized, no, they're talking about the other members of the separatist Senate who would have all been arrested at the conclusion of the war. Oh, I thought you were talking about all the ones that Anakin murders. <laughs> no. So the interesting <laughs> thing about the Confederacy is that it has like kind of two halves to it. It gotcha. has the ideological movement of planets seceding. Right. Those planets nominally have a Senate and they have their own governments. What has happened is that the different corporations and trade unions and things mm. that have thrown in on the side of the Confederacy are the ones that are actually bankrolling the, uh, well, oh, the banking guild is actually doing it. They're loaning money to them. But the, the different techno union and the trade federation and all those, they're the ones that are supplying the troops oh, and the okay, machinery okay. to be able to do it. Gotcha. So these planets don't have standing armies. They're not really able to provide them. They're just leaving the union, essentially. Yeah, they're just, it's basically like if, um, the South tried to secede from the United States, uh, but they didn't have their own standing army. So they contracted or Amazon stepped in to provide them their <laughs> army. Don't say that because it, it'll actually happen. So don't, don't bring that <laughs> oh, into the world. Lord. Oh Lord, I regret speaking that into existence. 15 years from now, the Amazon uh, UPS wars were so dark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> UPS joined the side of the North. The secessionists. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, so that's, that's what's going on here. We're on the former separatist capital gotcha. of Raxus. One of the few remaining separatist senators. He has to give up, go, go up and give a speech basically saying uh, you should comply with the empire. Gets up, decides at the last minute, nah. And the droid kind of sneaks off in the confusion because nobody's paying attention to the droid. Of course not. Because there's droid racism all over Star Wars. Uh, and then the Empire's like, psych, we're actually occupying you now. We have all-terrain right. uh, vehicles and we've moved them into your plaza. And everybody's cool with it. Well, like nobody's cool with it, but what are you going to do? True, but we don't really get to see enough of that either. Like we see the tanks come in and everybody runs away, but other than right. that, we don't see like people the being hurt like, or like you know that was resisting. That, yeah, and I think that has to do with the fact that it's a kids show. That's true. Like but, we as yeah. adults know that there's probably some of that going on. That there's probably some is like at the scene at the end of Return of the Jedi where they're celebrating on Coruscant. And then uh, Aftermath reveals that literally like 15 seconds after that scene ends in the movie, Imperial troops open fire on the plaza. So it's probably happening on the planet. Uh, they're just not showing it because it is a kid's show for kids. Gotcha. Uh, we're back on Ord Mantell. I wrote down, what is Mantell mix exactly? I know, they're so upset. Like, I mean, I get that it it's part of the joke, but like... Like, I know it's now it's like the joke is like, oh, it's tradition. We get the Mantel mix. But yeah, it literally looks like caramel popcorn or something. Yeah, is it like popcorn? Is it like the trail mix? Like, what is it? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to be like, what is Mantel mix made out of? How do you make your own? There's a recipe. There's probably a recipe out there. 
they're just you just know they're going to sell it at galaxy's edge right yeah that's what i'm thinking like when you go whenever you end up going uh this year um you gotta ask that you're just gonna go up to the people and be like hey do you guys have any mantel what mix? is mantel mix I'm just gonna <laughs> grab them don't actually do this <laughs> to uh disneyland employees uh disclaimer but just gonna grab them and be like what is mantel mix share your secrets are you looking at wikipedia i am the description is hilarious I just like where it says it's edible by humans. That's what my favorite part. That's all it tells you. It reminds me of some of those wild, uh, wild Wikipedia articles. My theory is it's some sort of like, you know how you get the popcorn uh, and it comes in the, it's the 10 of popcorn. It has the three different types of popcorn in it. And you're supposed to pull the thing out, the cardboard divider out and kind of mix it up. But nobody ever does that. Hmm. Oh, it's kind of like that. That's, um, that's my theory about what Mantel makes is. So it says that um, in early scripts of the show, the snack was going to be called Outpost Mix because that's already served at Cat Sokka's Kettle in the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge theme park um, on the planet Batu, But... They changed it to Mantel mix because they decided that Ord Mantel should have its own version of the snack. And looking so, at Outpost mix, these are things we probably should have done before we I know, it's just very episode. interesting. Weird. Outpost mix um, looks like it is popcorn. Yeah, it's just kettle popped something, so. Sid has a mission for them. Once they get back, uh, they need to go and rescue the Separatist Senator. Tech promptly proceeds to go on a, quoting the Wikipedia article about Raxus, and Sid tells him to shut up, which is very like me in any given social situation. Uh, just spouting off these random Star Wars facts until someone tells me to button it. <laughs> Hunter has some concerns about bringing Omega along, uh, which it seems to be the real concern is he wants to like, keep her safe and keep her out of trouble but he says a few different things like oh the kid needs a rest oh uh, i don't want to take her to a planet with the empire which but sid is totally a very reliable babysitter oh of course i would leave my children with sid uh why wouldn't you i i don't i mean Here's the main thing about Sid. I love Sid as a character. Um, but again, I feel like because of this little section right here, you know, Omega gets sidelined for the whole episode right here. I did have like a note annoying. of that. I did have a note of that actually a little bit later on. I realized, oh, so last episode, remember I said it was brought down for me because the batch wasn't it really in it. The batch was kind of sidelined for the whole episode. Mm-hmm. This one, it's the exact opposite. It still was brought down for me, but it was brought down because Omega was kind of sidelined for the whole episode. Right. And I felt that both of these things were to the detriment of their respective episodes. And and what I don't like um, is that, we'll, we'll talk about it at the very end, but the whole reason for sidelining her was just to move the plot forward of we don't owe Sid a debt anymore. So. Right. And also like, maybe they thought that 
oh, if we sideline the batch in this episode, we really need to give the batch a chance to shine in the next one. But I'm like, you can do that while having Omega there. Right. So one of my complaints about (laughs) certain movies in the Star Wars franchise, I'm not going to say which ones because this is not that kind of show. Uh, at least not yet. We'll have epi- we will do an episode at one point where I just complain about stuff I don't like. One of my complaints about certain movies is that characters' arcs are not made explicitly clear enough in the text of the film. Mm. And even films I like, I have this criticism of, where the character's arc is not made clear in the text of the film. I feel like with Hunter there's a few moments later on that kind of tell us what his arc is supposed to be in this episode, but the episode never explicitly at any point other than one maybe point comes out and says, no, this is the lesson he's supposed to be learning. And I felt like it was a detriment to the episode overall. Yeah. Hunter and Omega have a conversation where um, Hunter says, we're leaving you behind for this one. She calls him Sergeant, which... I don't know whether or not that's his, that would have been his actual rank in the Grand Army of the Republic. Oh, yeah. If he would have actually been a sergeant, but that's what she calls him. Uh, She has a very, uh, they have a very interesting moment where he's like, you shouldn't have a problem with following orders. And she kind of rolls her eyes and goes, yes, sir. It's very military kid kind of moment. In, In their group, though, would he be considered a sergeant or would he be more like their just their captain that was my question is is sergeant his rank in the grand army of the republic is sergeant just his rank internally in the group it's not really a question that's answered gotcha i'm sure uh i'm sure there'll be arguments about this on twitter there are arguments about everything on twitter (laughs) but we're continuing their interaction as being more of like a military dad where everything is kind of framed through this Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, it's like, yes, Sergeant, when she really just means father. Yes, Dad. Yeah, okay. That's cute, Uh, I guess. It's it's a nice, well, it's a moment that shows kind of what their relationship is like. And it's moments like these, it's like we don't have to spend episodes upon episodes building the relationship it's it's the nice little moments like these that communicate Mm -hmm. no this is what the relationship between this is them is and we get that right we have a little moment um they're on the ship they're flying to raxus and hunter has a little moment where he's like i did think we'd make it to raxus but i didn't think it would be this way which was a nice thought because remember raxus is the capital planet for the confederacy yeah but if what i'm what i was thinking when he said that was that he always thought they were going to go there like for battle right right but you're still technically going there while it's military occupied so you're the kind is, of going military into... occupied by the republic to right by separatist senator yeah it's almost like the opposite of what he thought was like it's like it's just interesting I thought it was neat that Echo as a reg and a reg that was originally non-modified is the one to have the most problem with the fact that it is a separatist senator. And I felt like this was the only time in the episode is this little part right here where they really put up a fight about it. Like they're kind of like, 
or at least Echo does in this scene. I mean, there might be a little bit later, but I know that in this scene in particular, Echo is the most skeptical. He's kind of like, but at the same time, I'm thinking, but the war's over. So why do you care about Separatists anymore? Like, So because it's because Echo was a reg. So he underwent the conditioning that the Bad Batch didn't. The Bad Batch is already more enhanced and more modified. And that has already made them more independent. So to me, it makes sense that Echo mm-hmm. would initially be dismissive. And, you know, he's the one that says to the droid, we don't trust you, right. has to be told to back off. Um, you know, he's the one that gives the little uh, pep line to Senator Singh at the end of the episode. But it's missing that kind of moment where he, I guess maybe when Singh throws the vase, but it was pretty understated to me. But I did like that it was Echo that had, I do think Echo should have been given the line, we're not helping a separatist senator back at Sid's bar. But it also works for Hunter if it's just an excuse not to take Omega into the war zone. Right. We get a nice kind of Empire Strikes Backsy moment with the ships where the ships come in to intercept them and they're in the clouds and they have Mm -hmm. to transmit the clearance code. And it works. And it works. They land on the planet. They meet their client. Uh, the client is a droid. The droid is going to lead them to the senator's residence to rescue him. Uh, back at the bar, Sid and Omega have a conversation. Sid calls Omega helpless, to which I'm like, do, do you guys not read like mission reports from the other missions? Omega is very definitively not helpless. Yeah, she's clearly, I mean, at least like five or six episodes in, you know, she's she's good now. Like maybe in the beginning she wasn't, but now she's kind of like. Even in episode one, she was contributing. In episode two, kind of, but really in episode three, the whole mission hinged on her. So like, Sid, I don't know what you're on about. Like, are you just not asking what's happening on these missions? I don't know. That line bothered me. I did like that uh, the patrons in the bar were like shaking their heads at one point, like, yes, Sid, you are a bad parent. And even these guys that hang out at a bar all day and have nothing better to do recognize this. Also, it's the same two guys every time. So It is the same two guys every time. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever been to a gay bar in uh, Midtown Atlanta during the day? No. It's very depressing uh, because it's mostly empty and it's the same few people that are going to be in there during the day, every day. I guess that makes sense. It's like your regulars who come. It's like like your regulars who come in during the day. Absolutely. Hang out when things are quiet and drink, (laughs) which admittedly, it is nice to have peace and quiet, but that's true. I did joke in a previous episode, this is very reminiscent of what a bar is actually like during the day where it's completely empty and except for one or two people. Somebody's cleaning over in the corner. Back on Raxus, they shove the droid out at one point to be a lure, to lure some clones away. Uh, Tech hacks the security system. They get inside. This is like basically every other episode where I'm going to skip over like action sequences. I was just about to make a a note that it's like, like you said, uh, George Lucas always said, you know, they, they fight, they fight, they break into facility, they get there. 
I did note that the batch is using stun weapons. The whole as episode, well yeah. On lethal takedowns. Yep, the whole time, which was and interesting. They still, still can't kill other clones. There is a neat moment where Hunter tells Tech, "Is like I'll take care of this. You and Omega go do this." And Tech's like, "Well, that would be impossible since Omega is not on the mission." I wrote down Hunter forgets Omega isn't on the mission. And yeah. I, I think the intention of this scene was that Hunter is. Like Omega is part of the team. Right. And Hunter has gotten used to Omega being part of the team and they kind of need her there. Mm-hmm. This was the only moment I point to that was like, I liked this. Other than that, it's pretty understated throughout the episode. Yeah, this is probably the one time where I was like, oh, so we could have brought Omega the whole time and we could have had her here the whole time. You just had to sideline her for the sheer fact that she had to play chess the whole episode. Yeah, and I wish like... I wish there had been more moments like this because Omega is deliberately sidelined by Hunter. Right. Hunter gets out on the field and realizes that she is a valued and loved member of the team. Goes back and says, we're not going to do that again. That's sort of what happens, but it's not very clear in the episode. Omega's arc through the episode. Omega does get an arc through the episode with Sid. Right. So I'm not going to say she's totally sidelined like the batch was in the last episode where they have one scene of note and mostly they sit around in space mm-hmm. the whole time. It, it just wasn't clear enough for me in the text of the episode. Yeah. Back on. Oh, before we jump back, I do have to note that the protocol droid does save the vase. <laughs> oh yeah. From dropping on the floor. Very important that they, they save this very important vase randomly in a hallway somewhere. <laughs> I just don't understand why she didn't put it back. That's what I didn't quite understand about the whole saving the laws, like thread of like story that went out through the rest it's of the so episode. We can, like, so we can use it later. It's so silly. I was like, whatever. It's, so we can use, it's for kids. It's, it's a little kids. They want to do the thing where the fussy parent is just like you're one of your parents probably and always telling you not to break things, but then they break the thing anyway. Uh, back on Old Mantel, Omega wins a strategy game. I I like how the two guys are like, do you want to take this outside? Sure. Like, this is a thing they do. Like, just once a day, they go out and just punch each other <laughs> outside. Uh, but Omega also, uh, I like that Omega negotiates with Sid. And I think this is a turning point in Omega and Sid's relationship. Yeah. Where when Sid is like, let me exploit you for money. Right, because you're a child. And Omega's like, yeah, how much money am I getting out of this? Yeah. And Sid is like, mm, 30. And Omega's, unlike the Batch, who just protests, Yeah. Omega's smart enough to be like, uh, let me highball you, actually. Yeah, she jumps up to 60, which is like... Well, it's yikes. a common negotiating tactic. That's what she's doing here, and I... I think that that's a turning point with Sid, which is like, hmm, this kid is on to something. Well, and also I think it kind of shows that like maybe Sid realized like, oh, I don't need to treat her like a child. I need to treat her like a small adult. And then I can relate to her better that way because when she was trying to kind of relate to her before, she's kind of like, oh, it'll be okay. Like whatever. Well, she literally does the opposite of, oh, it'll be okay. She tries to. Right. But she's like, maybe if you didn't suck so hard. Right, because she, then she treats her like an adult and she's like, you're, you know, like, hey, 
just if you want something to change fucking change it yourself they need a way to relate to each other and uh yeah. being better than everyone else in the room sure is a way to relate it did irk me slightly that omega just out and out states oh i'm good at strategy I had to stop and think about that because my gut react. I had to check myself here. Because my gut reaction was, literally, when have we ever seen this? And then I had to stop myself and go, no, again, you're missing the characterization. It's all over every single other one of her appearances that her smarts, her skills are in her ability to be resourceful. That's how she gets away from the bounty hunters. That's how she gets the part in episode three. That's how she frees them in episode four. It's all over. This is just the first time it's been acknowledged in the show. Mm -hmm. And if she's a direct clone of Jango Fett, we've also seen that Boba is relatively intelligent at forming plants. So... I had to check myself a bit because my gut reaction was, I don't like this, but I had to stop and think and go, it is, it is consistent with the character. Right. I just felt like it was just kind of like a, we spent a whole episode on this. Right. And I wanted this to be, I mean, I feel like, yes, you had to do this to kind of realize that she was a part of the team, I guess, you know, realize that she's a necessitative like part. We can't do anything without her essentially like moving forward. But at the same time, I was just like, you couldn't realize this like maybe on the mission if she was there and then maybe like you get separated and realize you can't do something without her or something. You know what I mean? Like, why do we have to have her play? Yeah, that would have been, that would have been a nice moment is if they'd reached something. I feel like if they'd had a moment where they had gotten to a point and they were like, Oh man, we really could have used Omega here. Why didn't we bring her? Right. That would have been even just a good thing. Even just one sequence like that would have really sold that oh, she's resourceful. She is a part of the team. I did I did eventually end up liking her kind of mini subplot with Sid, but that's also just because I love Sid. Yeah, I think that's like, it's kind of like a cheat because I, I do too. Like I like Sid and I like the idea of like bringing like, oh, the little chess game that they play in the original Star Wars, like, ha ha ha, they're playing the game. Like, I like all that stuff. I just don't like it in this episode Uh, yeah i think because the batch stuff like it should have been side by side and this is one of my criticisms of sort of last week too it should have been side by side both of them needed some sort of emotional clearly communicated emotional through line yeah omega got it last episode the batch really didn't omega gets it in her relationship with sid omega herself doesn't change that much Right. But a relationship with Sid does. So she gets a nice subplot there. The Batch does this stuff on Raxus, but like with the stuff with Echo having to question, he wasn't really challenged based on just the setup from the Bracca episodes to now and Hunter and Omega, you know, Hunter realizing that they need Omega. I didn't, I felt like it was a detriment. It wasn't strong enough on either Bad Batch, either end with the Bad Batch, either last episode or this episode. We are going to give a little reference to A New Hope with the droid, uh, the interrogation droid and the shot of it 
looming. Uh, lots of references in this show, just in the cinematography and the camera placement, things like that. Go in, they stun the troopers, they stun Bragg, but oh no, Bragg is successfully called in reinforcements. They then steal an ATTE. It's a very good action sequence. I thought it was funny when the clone troopers were like tossed out of the ATT. Oh, yeah, when he opens up the door and then he throws them out there. That was funny. I noted that also the explosions in this are really good. Hmm. Really beautifully animated. There's a good action scene. Singh throws the base and it's very funny. I liked the bit where the ATT is like trying to crawl on top of the other one. Because it reminds me of trying to pilot a ship in a video game. No, yeah, you just gotta keep bad maneuverability where you just like I could just imagine some player in the background with that ATT like shoving the joystick forward, like, come on. Little details like the the fuel leaking out of the ATT they're in during this very high speed chase through the streets of Raxus, just zipping along. I was gonna say, I thought when I saw that leaking, I thought they were gonna do some kind of like it's going to ignite and blow up or something. But no, it it's just a little detail just to demonstrate. Yeah. Oh, it's it's still damaged. They make it into this alleyway. The separate senator is like, just trust me. And Tech, who is always established to have been on board with this, it is the one to do it. And I'm like, maybe that should have been Echo in the driver's seat. Mm. Maybe that would have been better. If Echo was in the driver's seat and he was the one that had to trust the Senate separatist senator. It would have been more impactful. That would have been more impactful. I agree. They gave it to Tech. Tech wanders it into an alley. They blow part of the wall. Here's what I like. I like that when they're running in, they all run into the tunnel and then unprompted, Wrecker sets a second charge to blow the, the hole closed. Yeah. I like that it demonstrates that once again, Wrecker's not dumb. <laughs> yes. He's comic relief, but he's not dumb. He doesn't have to be ordered to close the hole. He just knows that he needs to close the hole. I see. Yeah. They all kind of like just know what to do in their situation. Uh, they get back to, they escape. They get back to the ship. Singh is very indecisive where he's like, oh, maybe I should go back. Yeah. And I, know. I thought about that too. I was like, why the fuck would you go back? You literally were useless and you were literally being a prisoner and they were just going to fucking kill you anyway. So what was the fucking point of going back? You He's can't like, do I don't want to run away from my planet to help my people. And Echo's like, don't be fucking stupid. Um, and then they fly back to Ord Mantel. Uh, they walk in and a crowd has gathered where Omega is just beating person after person at this strategy game. Um, I thought that was kind of funny but stupid at the same time because i was not stupid as in like it was a dumb scene but like stupid on omega's part because she was drawing so much attention to herself and hunter brings up the same point that you're supposed to be laying low right you got two fucking bounty hunters after you and the two best bounty hunters in the galaxy so far that we can tell two of the best at least including the best one is after you right no i thought it was that was a nice bit of I talked about the hyper competent kid being a, a Star Wars trope that's nice. And the idea of all these adults underestimating this kid and then this kid absolutely kicking their asses. Right. Almost like as a sideshow attraction, I thought was funny. Hunter raises exactly the same point you just did. 
when you're supposed to be laying low. And Sid's like, first of all, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Second of all, she just paid off your debt. So show some gratitude. Show some gratitude. Which I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that they, they established the debt like three or four episodes ago and now it's gone. Well, like, I'm Dave, hoping. Pacing, Dave. I'm, pacing. I, I'm hoping what that means is no more solo episodes that have nothing to do with the overall plot other than to say your debt is over. Bradley, have you watched a Dave Filoni show? <laughs> have you watched a Star Wars TV show? Because this is all they are. It's We have to do a thing, but to do the thing, we have to do another thing. I did feel like this was the most Clone Warsiest episode out of all the other ones. Definitely and, felt yeah. the most like a direct sequel. Yeah, it was just the most, to me anyway, it felt like that. But that was my overall thing because they didn't really end on any like surprising note or there's nothing at the end where it was like oh see you next week when we have to take on cad bane again like it was very much like okay we don't have a debt anymore that's the end of the episode see y'all next time i did like that sid refers to omega as her friend uh Mm. clearly showing a great deal more respect i think both because Omega was both useful, but also didn't allow herself to be taken advantage of. She worked, unlike the Batch, who just kind of goes along with whatever Sid says with only minor protests, Omega was smart enough to both say, here's how I can be useful to you, but also I am an asset and you are going to give me the payment that I deserve for the amount of work that I'm putting in. But it was nice. It was a nice moment. It also, Sid's been kind of a huge jerk throughout the entire thing. So it is nice to see Sid kind of be able to relate to someone. We get a lovely little moment with Hunter and Omega uh, where Hunter's like, look, if if you beat me at the, she's not going to say you can, uh, you'll, you won't be excluded from a mission again. He says, if you beat me in a game, we won't exclude you from any more missions. Obviously, I, he's going to lose. Right, but like, obviously. It's it's the little little acknowledgement of her skill and what she was able to do while they were gone. Right. And then I love that it kind of faded to black with them playing. I thought that was a really nice way to end the episode. Gotcha. Well, I hope it kicks it into high gear next week because I am left. After last week's, you know, or actually, I'm sorry, after this week's Loki and last week's Bad Batch, I was like, oh, I'm excited for the next thing, you know? Like, I'm ready for the next like one. Ground to a screeching halt. Right, because I don't like how Loki comes out on Wednesdays and then Bad Batch comes out on Friday because then I have Thursday to kind of, like, sit and twiddle my thumbs, you know? And unless you have Paramount Plus, which I'm technically, I do now, right? Uh, we have, like, a little trial period going, so I'm watching, you know, of course, Drag Race and then the I, like, I got to... I gotta, I gotta pick up that, uh, I gotta pick out that Paramount Plus so I can maybe finally actually start watching Drag Race because I don't watch Drag Race. There's another potential podcast ideas. Oh my god, no! Charles watches no. Drag Race for Let's the first. Not do that. Um, one thing uh, I didn't mention before, the as rant, just a little silly thing, was in the beginning scene um, when uh, the droid, the female droid, was making a call you know, like, hey, come help the senator guy. 
I heard the Empire um, alarm sound in the background, which the I- The klaxon. The, yeah, I fucking love that sound so much. Ever since the Rogue One trailer, like that's the best sound like you've ever heard in Star Wars, so. I, uh, I just got Twitch affiliate this week. And one of the things I did was I set up my various alerts on my Twitch channel. And I actually use the Imperial klaxon for my raid alert. When somebody I, raids my Twitch stream. I love that. Is it will play the Imperial Klaxon sound because I also love that sound. And what is your Twitch? Uh, yes, we will get on to the socials <laughs> where you can find us. And I am currently the only one who promotes some something different that's not purely just us. But when Bradley has other things, we will also let you know if that ever happens. Yeah, if any of my TV shows, you know, finally get finished editing and made, I'll tell you guys like, hey, we'll, this show is we'll, premiering. We'll promote, we'll promote what Bradley does in addition. Ooh. But as far as our present socials go, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at Gold Squad Gaze. I also shout out a lot of other queer podcasters on there. So if you're looking for other shows besides us to check out, follow our Twitter. You can also follow our Instagram at, at Gold Squadron Gaze. Bradley shares very funny memes on our Instagram story. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we're this close to having another uh, another social to announce, but not this week. Maybe next week, and then additionally, you can follow me on Twitch at CW Rogers Six. I play Star Wars games every Monday to coincide with the release of this podcast. We are currently playing Jedi Fallen Order and talking about the crossover between Fallen Order and Bad Batch. So check us out on all of these places. Oh, and before I do the official outro, I do want to say um, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. Um, I realized uh, the other day that that's the only way that our podcast gets traction or gets to be seen uh, is if the more reviews you leave, the higher up it goes on the list and the more people see it and then the more people want to listen to us bitch about Star Wars. So please do that. Leave us a good review if you like us. I will never read them because I am not a masochist. (laughs) All right, Bradley, take us out. And join us next week, everyone, for another episode of Gold Squadron Games. If you weren't cutting out all of my top record jokes, I would make a joke about record opening a hole, but you're going to cut this section out anyway, so. Well, now I will because you just (laughs) mentioned it.